Goswami's quintessential book on the practice of bhakti called the Upadeshamrita, which really means the, the essence of teachings and advice, or the nectar of it all. He gives this direction, which he says is the essence of all the teachings within the book. And it says, Tanama Rupa Charitari Sukirtanan Smritya Kramena Rasanam Yoja Tishtan Vraje Tananuragi Janarugami Kalam Nayet Akilam Ityupadesha Saram. The saram or the cream of Upadesh or advice, he says, is that one should organize one's life around the principle of doing devotional service, especially beginning with hearing and chanting. Because there's a process, in the process of hearing and chanting, Krishna, who's within our hearts, he's within the hearts of the octopi who live in the ocean. Are you familiar with octopi? They're actually very intelligent. And any other animals? Dolphin? Is Krishna within the heart of a dolphin? Is Krishna within the heart of a shark? This is a quiz. I'm hoping you're going to pass. You get 50 points for each right answer. Is Krishna in the heart of a mongoose? A worm. How about a worm? Yeah, you could go through all 8,400,000 species and he's still there. Ishvara, uh, he says in the Bhagavad Gita that Sarvasya chaham hridisani vishto mataksmritir gyanam apohanam cha that I'm there within the heart of every living being and I'm reciprocating with the desire of the living being and I'm giving intelligence, knowledge or forgetfulness. And the Srimad Bhagavatam says that Krishna is always with us within our heart and we are transmigrating from one kind of material body to the next and even when the whole material universe gets wound up. Did you know that this is temporary, this whole thing? Everyone is aware of that, right? Yes? Okay. It gets wound up. It takes a while. 311 trillion years you can hang around. And then the whole material creation gets <coughs> inhaled literally yes jaika nishva sitikala matavalambya jivanti loma vilajaja kanandanatha vishnur mahansahi ayasya kala vishesho govinda madi purusham tamahambajami the brahma samita brahma he's the first created being describes after having revelation uh, what happens in the material creation among other things and he describes how mahavishnu the great form of the lord is breathing and with his breathing, there's an exhale, and the material manifestation is manifest. And then when he inhales, it all goes back inside his body. That means we go back inside, too. And his uh, breath cycle is a little bit uh, more, uh, it has a longer duration than ours. Which gives us a sense of scale, doesn't it? Because... Ma Vishnu's breathing is 311, his exhalation is 311 trillion years. And then when he uh, inhales, then everything gets wound up back inside him. 
That means all of the living beings that were transmigrating from one body to the next go back inside the body of Mahavishnu. And they enter into a state called Sasupti. It's uh, sleep without dreams. But uh, they have proximity to the Lord because they're right inside him. And when he exhales again, he reminds the living being, each one, and there are asankhya. How many living beings are there? Asankhya, you can't count them. There's so many. They're unlimited, actually. As soon as uh, we are manifest again into the material world or put back into the material nature, then Krishna is still with us and he reminds us what our aggregate of desires were from the last creation. You want to take up working at Home Depot or wherever you were, whatever your proclivities were, he gives that facility to start over again. So in the Gita, Krishna says, Samoham sarvabhuteshu name dveshos dinapriya ye bhajanti tumam bhaktya maite teshu chapyaham That is, I'm dealing with everybody equally. As a, a person approaches me, I, re, I reciprocate exactly in that way. And he said, I, I, don't, uh, I don't mind anybody. I, I, I'm not averse to anybody, nor am I friendly to anybody. I'm just reciprocating. However, then he says, ye bhajanti tumam bhaktya. The word uh, bhakti comes from the root bhaj, which means to worship. If someone gets it in his or her head or heart to start worshiping Krishna, that's a big day. Because that breaks the whole cycle, the cycle of birth and death, the idea that one will try to enjoy various bodies and different flavors in the material world. It's actually the same thing. It's just mixed in different ways, like South Indian food. It's all rice and dal, but you got idli, you got dosa. What, do you, what else is there? Udapam? Is that sound? Udapam, vada. It's all the same thing, just in different manifestations. The whole material world's like that. It's only three modes, but it, it mixes. The, they mix uh, goodness, passion, and ignorance to make combinations and permutations of flavor, but the flavors are all the same, happiness and distress, and the so-called happiness is short-lived, Krishna says in the Gita, yehi samsvarsaja bhoga dukhayo naya evate adyantavantakonte anate shuramate buddha that the kind of pleasure you're going to get from inter interacting with these combinations and permutations, they're shadow-like. He said uh, that it won't satisfy you at all. In fact, it'll cause you misery. Don't, don't touch them. Did you ever hear that from your parents when you walked in a shop? I used to hear that. You go, now don't touch anything. <laughs> Same thing Krishna says. You come into the material world, it's like, don't touch it. So, uh, this is uh, the plight, P-L-I-H-T, G-H-T, P-L-I-G-H-T, the plight of the living entity in the material world. 
And uh, I said it's shadow-like. It's also, uh, also described as a mirage. If you see a mirage, it looks like there's water. In fact, animals think there's water, and they keep going for it to get a drink, but they never quite get there because the mirage is always receding. And material happiness is like that. So that's the problem in the material world. And the solution is bhakti, or changing one's attitude and changing the direction one's going. In very simple terms, the Srimad Bhagavatam describes what the problem is and then what the solution is. So he says, Bhayam dvitiya abhini beshatasyad ishad apetasya viparya yosmiti tanmayato buddhabhajatan bhaktyaike yesham guru devatatma. The problem is, apetasya, we've um, turned our attention away from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that causes fear, bhayam. And it's also. Uh, causes darkness, ignorance. It causes a kind of uh, consternation in the soul, a cognitive, cognitive dissonance where one can never feel satisfied. There's always a frequency that's out of alignment in our minds and hearts until we give our hearts uh, fully to bhakti or worshiping Krishna, bhaj. So in the Gita, Krishna describes also how the material energy is called bhinna, bhinna prakriti. Have you heard this before? So Krishna says, bhumir apu analo vayu kamano pudra evacha ahankara itiya me bhinna prakriti rashtata. He lists the, the elements of the material world and then he said they're separated. So for Krishna there's no material or spiritual because it's all his energy, so how could it be material? But if a living being doesn't see the connection of all things to Krishna, all things that are in the world. It doesn't understand how they all come from Krishna, how they're all connected to him. Then they're separated by consciousness. They're separated material energies. However, when uh, one comes to the process of bhakti, one can uh, reconnect all of the energies including oneself, we're also energy that comes from the Lord, to Krishna. And then they're no longer separated. And that's what yoga is. Yoga means to connect. And the problem is we're in a state of separation. And that is caused by looking in the wrong direction. Apitasya means our heads turn the wrong way. So bhakti means to get with the program, which means that the program is to be happy and not wander off where we're going to be harassed. I was looking this morning in the temple room. There's uh, some speakers that are protruding from the ceiling in order to broadcast in the temple. And there's also some cameras in there so the live broadcast can go on. And on them, they have these plastic spikes because apparently the pigeons who can fly in freely from anywhere feel that those are a good place to hang out. And it's, it's not advantageous for the people below, apparently. 
and so they put these spikes on them. And I was thinking how, you know, if a bird looks at that and thinks it doesn't look like a very good place, you know, it's spiky. So the whole material world's a little spiky like that. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of sign that this isn't where you really want to spend time. And Krishna's trying to move us along a little bit here. There's threefold miseries. Those are sometimes described as Durga's trident. She has adhyatmic, adhibodic, adhidaivic, uh, spiky miseries uh, poking us. So we can uh, all at once solve all the problems, that is, the miseries of life, the kind of frustration that comes from always chasing something that recedes and feeling the cognitive cognitive dissonance of the uh, misalignment of our purpose in life just by taking to the process of bhakti yoga. And that means to uh, connect everything to Krishna. Everything that's in, in our purview, we have the right to use it in Krishna's service. In that way, you have unlimited facility in the material world. You can use everything. And you can use it to uh, serve Krishna in various ways. And then when it's connected, as <clears throat> continuation of the verse I started with, Bayam Dvitiya Bhinibeshatasya, the problem is that we're turned away from Krishna and we've forgotten how to use everything in Krishna's service. So, Tanmayatad Buddha Abhijatam, an intelligent person will then um, get connected to Krishna through spiritual master and and get some service and learn how to connect everything up to Krishna that's what the verse says and in that way the problem is solved so Rupa Goswami's advice is to find your your rhythm in devotional service every day you should have a home practice when you first wake up in the morning the first words that come out of your mouth are the prayers and affirmation that I'm a devotee of Krishna and the holy names Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And then it's vital to have a schedule because if you don't have a schedule for your mind that's already pre designed, then the mind will wander off in myriad ways to find other kinds of engagements, and that's a problem. So the beginning of devotional service means to have a system in association with devotees, an authorized system of practicing devotional service. In, uh, in ISKCON here, we have a morning program that starts at 4.30. That's a little out of step with most people in most cities. Whenever I call somebody, you know, another part of the world, uh, you know, if I have to make a phone call at 3 a.m., they go, what time is it? It's like 3 like, well, three. <laughs> and, and when they hear the first program starts at 4.30 a.m., they're a little bit um, shocked also because that seems a little early for most people. I know in my neighborhood in Burlingame, California, I don't see a lot of people up except a few dog walkers early in the morning because the dog likes to be out early. And most people take time to sleep in and then they'll read a newspaper or watch television or listen to something 
about how the world's um, closing in on us in various ways, all around, everywhere you look. And then uh, they have to go off to work, and they don't have much time to hear and chant. They haven't even heard about it. So those who've discovered the secret to life, which is to engage everything in Krishna's service and, and to have a program every day to adhere to so that one stays in the practice of bhakti, especially through hearing and chanting. And so the recommended program is to get up at, at a reasonable hour. Don't wait till the sun comes up. At least an hour and 40 minutes before the sun. If you, if you really want to have health and progress in life. And then have a, a, a set system for chanting. Uh, chanting Hare Krishna, the Hare Krishna Mah Mantra, is uh, recommended in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Etan nirvidyamananam ichatamakatobayam yoginam nirpanirnitam harinamanukirtanam. Harinamanukirtanam means that the chanting of the holy names follows in the footsteps of the, of the great acharyas who are, have already vetted this process and said, this is the topmost process. And if you follow it, they say, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be a king, or you can be a washing machine salesperson, or whatever it may be, you're going to be successful from chanting. So this is one of the recommended processes upon waking up, is to have a set number of, of uh, mantras that you chant every single day. And if you hold that every day, no matter what it is, it has to be something more than zero, and not less than one to be successful. And it's important to, to make a vow that, that, yeah, I'm going to do this every day because the mind will fight you on it. Either that you'll get fade, which fade means that just kind of, I'll do it a little bit later, I'll do it a little bit later, and then, you know, it's two weeks, three weeks, and then another lifetime goes by, and then maybe another cycle, 311 trillion years, come back out of Mahavishnu, right? Yeah, that's a long time. So, uh, it's the, the, the most intelligent people in the universe who are highly developed have given these processes that anyone can follow and then attain the supreme perfection. So, one of, his, uh, one of them is chanting Hare Krishna. This is a, a definite do. You put, if you have a to-do list anywhere, put this on it. And make a, a firm vow to chant a, a, a set number of Hare Krishna mantras every single day. And the next thing that's very important, it's vital in fact, is to hear from uh, spiritual books, especially the Bhagavad Gita, as it is, and the Srimad Bhagavatam. And if you can hear from uh, a few other books also, all the better. But without the fortification of one's intelligence of hearing the Bhagavad Gita or the Srimad Bhagavatam, it's practically impossible to overcome the um, various twists and turns of the mind. The uh, Bhagavad Gita realigns us every day in a perfect way to what the goal of life is and how to attain it. And the Srimad Bhagavatam actually takes us through various scenarios to show us what we look like 
when we're not doing well in the material world so that we can see for ourselves uh, what the uh, <clears throat> danger of the material world is and of, of being casual, of moving through the world. And then it gives examples of people who are highly successful in devotional service and it gives the essence of why they were successful in devotional service so that we can make a decision to emulate them and organize our life around that principle, the principles that, that they set. We have devotees, exemplary devotees like uh, Dhruva Maharaj. Well, let me uh, mention some that went through a few uh, trials and tribulations in life. One is Chitraketu. He had a, a horrible thing happen to him. His uh, son died. He always wanted a son, and then he finally got a son by the benediction of a sage, and then the son died. In fact, it was, it was poisoned. And that, that's about the worst thing anybody can think of to happen, is to have an infant die. After you've pined for having a child. And then there's a, a way that the uh, Bhagavatam explains uh, what happened to him. And we can, we can probably relate to it. When he heard about his son dying, who was a little prince, actually, was, he was hoping he'd be the next king, he uh, became so distraught that he fainted. It's hard to comprehend the miseries of the material world. They're so intense that sometimes one faints. So Chitraketu fainted. And then the sages Narada and Angira who had uh, coached him a little bit in the beginning, came back. In fact, Angira did, but he came back, did Angira with Narada, uh, who's well known for helping people take to the path of devotional service. And in, the, and in his darkest hour, the, the sages helped him to see uh, what had taken place and, and what to do about it. So they had... Uh, <clears throat> the wherewithal to bring the particular soul of that baby that had passed back into the body that was there. And then they interviewed him. Him meaning the soul that was in that body. When we see a baby, uh, we just think, oh, that's my baby. But um, <clears throat> from the vision of the Bhagavad Gita, Vidya Vinaya Sampane Brahmane Gavihastani Shuni Chaiva Shupakecha Pandita Samadarshina uh, a learned person actually sees the, the soul within the body, recognizes that the soul is, is not designated really by a particular body. I may think I'm a man, woman, cat, dog, mongoose, but actually we're none of these things. We're just souls within the body. So from <clears throat> Angira and Narada were able to bring the soul back in the body and then they, they asked him, why did you leave your parents? And do you know what the little soul in that body said? Which parents? Which parents are you talking about? Because I've had a lot of them. And I mean, no offense or anything, but I don't know you guys. <laughs> you know, everyone hopes little babies like, you make your first words and make sure it's mama or papa. It's like, this is your mind, you know, you're my baby. I mean, it's, it's unthinkable 
for something like that to happen. But the Bhagavatam takes us by the hand and said, here's, here's what it looks like to have extreme misery, and here's a way in which it's processed. And we get to, to see that, to hear it. Those types of stories uh, create a, uh, an impression in our hearts so that we see the world differently. We interact with it differently. Differently means in, uh, realistically. So Chitraketu had this awakening when he saw this unfold. He realized that his intense desire to have a son, which is kind of natural for a king, uh, but the whole idea of kingship in the first place is a little ludicrous, although kings have to do their duties too. But if one actually thinks, I'm a king, and then I'm a big controller, this is something the Bhagavatam also points out in the uh, section of the Bhumi Gita. Does anybody know the Bhumi Gita? You know who Bhumi is? Every morning when I wake up, I say a few prayers, and I say, oh, Mother Bhumi, please forgive me for stepping on your surface. It's a mantra that comes out of the, one of the uh, books about how to conduct your day in, in Vaishnavism. So before I put my foot on the floor, I say, please forgive me for stepping on you, on your surface. And the, so Bhumi personified, she's in the form of a cow. And she's ruminating on the ways in which kings and other big controllers try to claim parts of the world as their own. Have you ever seen this phenomena? Somebody tries to like claim this is my land or take over somebody else's? You ever seen it in history? Does it ever happen? It's been happening since time immemorial. People say, oh, this is it's been going on forever. This is what uh, little jivas do when they get bewildered. They start thinking that I'm the controller. So Bhumi says, I watch these people come into being as from the perspective of the earth. I mean, just from, from the context of geological time, our lives are, are uh, like a... Uh, Diwali. You know the Diwali bugs? The Diwali germs? We come during uh, Kartik usually. We're out at Govardhan Hill. There's an electric light bulb that is a, a favorite of the Diwali bugs. They're uh, around October, November here in Vrindavan area. These bugs uh, go through their gestation and then they, they become manifest with little wings. They have a little family, bank account. They worry about which version of iPhone's gonna come out. <laughs> they make several trips to, uh, what's that place called? Home Depot, yeah. <laughs> and then, so they're born in the dusk and they die just after midnight. I did a study, actually, or made a list. It wasn't really a study, but it, I, I looked up on the Internet uh, various kinds of uh, species, and I made a chart from the, those with the least uh, duration of life, or the shortest duration of life to those with the longest. 
And um, even the ones with the longest compared to geological time is insignificant. We just come and go. Yeah, so t to Mother Earth, well, to me, when I see these Diwali germs, I think, you know, why bother? You don't have much time. I mean, what's the, what's the use? For higher beings, our lives are like that. We just come and then we go. It's, it's so quick. However, Bhumi, Mother Earth, says, I see these people, they, they're born and then they start growing up and they think, I'm a little king and I'm going to conquer the land. And sometimes they do conquer the land, but that's not enough. They think, now I want to conquer the ocean too. That's kind of interesting, right? Who does the ocean belong to? Yeah, the little king who thinks, this is my area. And then also, like in New York, they sell air rights. You know that? There's the air above the, the, um, the buildings to a certain height. You can purchase that, and then you can build in it. In Denver, Colorado, I remember, you can't catch rainwater there. Doesn't it belongs to the uh, to the city? You get fined if you catch it in a barrel. Is, is this making you angry? Okay. <laughs> Everyone wants to exploit material nature, and kings they conquer the land, and then they think that's not enough. I got to have the ocean. And Mother Booming's laughing at them, saying, "You came in the world empty-handed. You're going to leave empty-handed. You're only here for a whisper, and." you're puffing your chest and thinking that you're the big controller. And to one degree or another, everyone thinks that. This is my stuff, I get to keep it, and uh, I want to conquer, keep as much as I can. So this is uh, an illusion. So while we're uh, here as human beings, the Vedanta Sutra says, Atato Brahma Jignasa, take this time to go on a quest and find the, the greatest thing, which is your relationship with Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It can be done. You're caught in a banyan-like tree that has unlimited scope. Krishna says this in the Gita. He compares this, the material world to a banyan tree. And, Narupa masyeha tatopa labyate nanto na chadir pratishta. Ashvatame inam suvaruda mulam asanga shastrena dridhena chitva tatakpadam tatparimarigitavyam yasmin katana nirvartanti buya tameva pradyam purusham prapadya yatak pravriti prashita parani. I know I blew the last, second to last line. So it, you can't see the form of the material world, where it begins and where it ends, and we can't see by context, it's too vast. We don't even know how we got in here in the first place. We just popped out into uh, some little family somewhere, and then there were some parents hovering over us and debating on what to call us. They have a little debate, and they called their 52 cousins to see if they had any uh, um, suggestions also. And everyone had a little argument, and then they said, that's what we're going to call them, uh, Schnicky. And so they give you a little name tag, and they stick it on you and as soon as you get to kindergarten someone says what's your name my name's schnicky it's like where'd you get that name from my parents so 
this is the, the life of a jiva. He gets designated in the material world. And so Krishna says, you should, uh, you should wise up, little jiva, and find out you actually have nothing to do with the material world. And with this, with this clear knowledge, then you can cut down your attachment to the material world. Don't be a fool and just uh, live out your life as if you're uh, this body. It's foolish. And, it, you know, find out who you really are and live the life of a soul and take up the process of uh, regulated devotional service under the care of a spiritual master. And then he, Krishna says, this is a sangha shastrena dridhena chitva. You're able to cut down the deeply rooted tree of material attachment in this world. And then tatakpadam tatparimargitavyam. Now you've got a journey you can make. Just like uh, in the story of the Chaitanya Charamrita, Sanatan Goswami. How many of you know the story of Sanatan Goswami by a show of hands? One, two, three. Okay, I'll tell the story really quick. Sanatan Goswami had a lot of responsibilities. He was a uh, prime minister. And when he met Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he decided, I would like to do devotional service. He had an awakening in his heart. And so what's the smart thing to do when that happens, when you have a lot of work to do, and it awakens in your heart that you want to do devotional service? What do you do? You call in sick. You call in sick. That's what he did. He called in sick. He said, uh, is that what you call it in India? In America, they call it calling in sick. You call your employer and said, I'm sick, I can't come in. They call it in Australia? What? Chatsiki? Okay. Sick leave. Okay, I got to go on sick leave. I'm not well, I can't come in. So he stayed home. <laughs> he stayed home and he, he brought in uh, some experts in the Srimad Bhagavatam. And they all came into his house and he was just studying Bhagavatam all day long. So his employer sent over a doctor to check out to see, verify how he was doing. And the doctor came in and Sanatan Goswami sitting like this, you know, with all these Brahmins and they're just discussing Bhagavatam and he looked perfectly fine. So his employer, who was the emperor, came in and said, what's going on? And Sanatan said, I'm finished. I don't like my job anymore. And I'm, I, I want to become a, a full-time uh, follower of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Now, just a slight caveat for those who are working and have responsibility in the world. Devotional service doesn't mean you have to quit your job. You can call in sick, though, a little bit. Um, you can live in the world and do your work and at the same time culture devotional service. And actually, it helps you because we got to do something. We can't hear and chant all day long. And uh, until we have a taste for devotional service, the Bhagavatam says, Tavat karma kurvita na nirvetyeta yavata matkata shravanadova until you have a full taste for devotional service, you should keep your job. Don't give up your day job. Uh, keep doing it as you're uh, continuing your process of devotional service. However, Sanatan was ripe, and he had worked really hard for the government, and he was a wealthy man. 
401k full. And he had everything going for him, fame. He was highly educated. But he said, it's all for naught, N-A-U-G-H-T. And he decided that I'm going to follow Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because he had met him. So then he uh, told his employer, I'm not coming back to work. And his employer said, yes, you are. So you have a choice. You can come back to work or go to jail. So Sanatan went to jail. But he got out because there was a scheme at hand. His brother, Rupa Goswami, who had already left the employee, uh, left behind some considerable amount of money, gold actually, through which Sanatan could... Uh, buy his way out of prison. And that's just what he did. So when he left, he was a political prisoner. He had to sneak out of the country. He took one faithful servant with him named Ishana. And Ishana, when he, when he went with Sanatana Goswami, put eight gold coins in his pocket because he thought, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I got to have some insurance money here. So they were climbing up uh, through the, the hilly region, just past the kingdom. And when they got way up in the hills, they found an inn. And they went to the inn, and what was going on there was, it, it was a seedy place, and there was a shady character in there who ran the place. And he had this expert astrologer who knew Prashna. You all know Prashna? Specific things happen. I met a Prussian reader. I didn't believe in it, but my friend who was studying it back in the early, late 70s uh, in, in Bangalore, where we lived, he, um, he told me, no, my teacher, he can tell you. He's clairvoyant. So I went there. He said, write down the three questions you have. Put it in your pocket, and he'll tell you what your questions are, then he'll answer them. I said, no, he won't. And then he did. So there are these Prashna people, and he had one of these Prashna readers. And so when, when Sanatana arrived with Ishana in the inn, the Prashna person did his calculation, and he told the innkeeper, this person has eight gold coins. So the innkeeper, being the kind of uh, retrobate that he was, uh, decided he was going to kill them for the money, because it was a lot of money, eight gold coins. And then uh, Sanatan noticed that the innkeeper was being very nice. You know this saying, too much devotion is a sign of a thief? <laughs> oh, come in, lovely. He was a politician, Sanatan, a diplomat. He knew the signs. And so something's going on. So with this keen, intelligent, highly intelligent person, he asked his servant, do you have any money on you? And Ishana said, I have seven gold coins. He's still holding on. Sanatan said, give them to me. So he took the seven gold coins and he went into the office of the innkeeper and said, here, these are for you. Innkeeper, what? What do you mean for me? He said, yes, if you don't take them, someone will kill us for them. And he said, I have an admission to make. I was going to kill you for them. You should keep them. And Sanatan said, no, if, if you don't kill us, somebody else will. That was how rough it was uh, on the path that w when he was leaving uh, into the, you know, the, the hilly country. And so Sanatan gave the coins. They spent the night, left early in the morning, and just as they left the inn, Sanatan turned to his servant, Ishan, and he said, 
you have one gold coin, right? Ishana said, yeah, I do. He said, you keep it, you go back. I'm going up and away to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So it was at that moment when Ishana left, he had finally broken free from everything that held him back at home. And he was without anything now on his way to meet Lord Chaitanya. And now he felt happiness in his heart. Can you imagine that? Most people spend their whole life thinking, as soon as I accumulate some gold, then I'll be happy. What happens when you get some gold? Let's put it in the form of rupees. How many rupees is a lot nowadays? What's a million dollars in rupees? Seven crores? That's not enough, is it? That's nothing. Okay, seven, 14 crores is enough? 21 crores. Three million? It won't do it for you, right? It's not even a... Can't even get a rickshaw for that. Deloy Bazaar. <laughs> you come back here in a few years, it'll cost you seven crores to get down to Louis Bazaar. No matter what it is, you always need more. That's the problem in the material world. It, you, you, someone can give you a million dollars, and then you'll think, guy's a billionaire. He gave me one measly little million dollars. And what am I going to do with a million dollars anyway? I, I, you know, this is barely going to get my kids through college. Uh, it, it's, it's the nature of the material world that there's never enough. But Sanatan, he had given up everything. He was walking towards Lord Chaitanya. And his whole intention was, I'm going to give my heart and soul to the practice of devotional service. So if he did that, if we do it a little bit, and we just add it to our lives, and we say, well, I'm going to make a stand, and I'm going to do my little practice. Whatever I can do, Krishna will appreciate it. He says in the Bhagavad Gita, Neha bhikramarashosti pratyavayara vidyate svalpamapya siddharmasya trayatema tobhayat. If you do the smallest uh, act of bhakti, he said, I'll consider it to be so important. And also, you'll never have to uh, be afraid ever again because you've done this little uh, intentional act of bhakti. That's how powerful it is. What to speak of someone who decides to incrementally increase their practice of bhakti every day or every week, every month. They make a plan for it in their life. This is their grand plan in life to increase their bhakti. What to speak of a person like that. And that brings us back to the second half of the verse I quoted earlier, about 22 minutes and 33 seconds ago, which is Samaham Sarvabhuteshu Name Dueshostinapriya Ye Bhajanti Tumambhaktya Maite Teshu Chapyaham, which means to begin with in the first two lines that Krishna says, I'm equal to everyone. Whatever uh, you want, I'll just supply it. It's up to you. But if someone gets it in his or her heart that I want to worship Krishna, because of feeling of gratitude, because of associating with advanced devotees and thinking, I want to be like them, and I'm going to worship Krishna. If someone gets even a molecule of that type of intention within his or her heart, then everything changes. Ye bhajanti tumambhaktya. Such a person, Krishna says, now lives in me, and I live in him or her. There's a way in which there's an intimate relationship 
And Krishna no longer is reciprocating tit for tat, but actually he's pouring out his heart to such a person, giving them every advantage so that they can speed their progress in devotional service. And everything that happens to such a person is the arrangement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead to help him or her advance on the path of devotional service.